0: If you're familiar with the Apostles' Creed, you'll know there's a line in it that says that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. That is central to Christianity. That is clear through the Bible. God is the one who forgives sins, and only God can forgive sins. Time and time again in the Old Testament, we... We find reference to this. In Nehemiah, it it, it says in a a prayer there, you are a forgiving God and abounding in love. In Daniel, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. At the end of Luke's Gospel and um, after the resurrection of Jesus when the disciples are sent out uh, to uh, take this message out into the world. It says that they were to go out and preach the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations. The Bible is the one who introduce, uh, introduces us to this God who is always ready to forgive. And it's unique to Christianity. We don't find it elsewhere in other religions. We don't find it in our society around us we're very quick you think about what you hear in the news if somebody has done something however long ago that's it it seems that there is no forgiveness but god's forgiveness the experience that uh, the forgiveness that we can experience in our hearts and know in our hearts is a wonderful thing It's a wonderful thing to know that the mess that we've made, the things that we've done can be forgiven because Jesus took the punishment. And it's a wonderful message to take into a broken world around us, that there is forgiveness in Jesus. There is hope. There is a new start. In this passage that we read, we find Jesus teaching about forgiveness and he does it as he so often does as he teaches different things, he does it with a parable. Jesus often spoke in parables. Now parables aren't, they're not bedtime stories to put us to sleep. They're more like a bugle call to, to wake us up and make us take note. They deal with important subjects. Forgiveness. Salvation. Money, motives, many different parables we find in the scriptures. Some of them are long with an explanation, like the parable of the sower. Some of them are short, there's one that's just one verse. On this occasion, uh, it's a a short parable, two verses that we find in the middle of this passage. And it's the story of two people who are in debt. Two people who owed money. One of them owed 500, one of them owed 50. Don't worry about the units, what they were. But it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. One had a big debt, one had a smaller debt. And this money lender, the the person who had lent them the money, eventually cancels the debt. So neither of them has to pay up. And then Jesus asked this question afterwards, he said, now, which of the two men will love the money lender more? Which of the two men, the one who's been forgiven his 500 or the one who's been given his 50, which of these two men <coughs> will love the money lender more? Now you might think it looks like a parable which is about love, which him, will love him more. But Jesus is using this example of financial debt and owing money to teach about forgiveness. And uh, we will go on and look at what he's teaching about forgiveness a little, uh, little bit uh, later on as we go along. But let's just first of all think about the context of this parable. It's always good when you read a parable in the scriptures to, to look around it, to see why it's there, to see what the context is, to see who he's speaking to. And uh, then it can help you to understand what he is trying to 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 teach and the passage that we read begins with an invitation to dinner have a look in verse 36 now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him there's this Pharisee he's given a name, we know who he is he's called Simon as you go through this Pharisee called Simon the Pharisees were the um, the the leaders and the religious leaders in Israel Uh, they were important people and this Pharisee Simon invites Jesus to dinner. Now, being invited to dinner in the Middle East is not, like, is not quite like an invitation to Sunday fellowship lunch. Um, guests were invited, but it seems that anyone could come and watch. Now, we wouldn't quite expect to be invited to someone's house for dinner and a whole load of other people to come in and watch as we have dinner together. And they almost certainly didn't sit around a big table on chairs. They were probably lying on the floor on on one side together with the feet out at the back and the heads around all together. And when you have an invitation to lunch today, you probably won't arrive and have your feet washed. And um, you probably won't have your head anointed with oil by your host. But Eastern hospitality demanded that. Things were different and demanded the the courtesy of making your guests welcome and very welcome. Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus to have dinner with him at his house. We're not quite sure why he invited him. don't know what his motives were. Uh, maybe it was just wanting to be, you know, Jesus is this man who's appeared on this scene, and you read earlier on in this chapter, and you see that he's doing miracles and amazing things. Maybe he just wanted to to, to mix with this person for the for the for the uh, uh, kudos of it, as it were. Maybe it was to to question him and ask him about what he was teaching. Jesus, a popular teacher, a performer of miracles, maybe wanting to find out more. Maybe to Maybe to criticise him and, as it were, try and put him right on one or two things because he didn't like what he was doing and what he was saying. Whatever the motive of Simon the Pharisee inviting Jesus to his house for dinner, he got more than he bargained for. What was to happen next was, well, it was it was an unexpected interruption, certainly. Read what it says in verse 37 and 38. Uh, A woman who had lived a sinful life in the... uh, When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. So here were the guests, Jesus, one of them, enjoying their meal. Uh, with Simon, the Pharisee, when suddenly this woman arrives. And I would imagine, because she was from that town, that everyone knew who she was. And uh, not, a, not a, a popular woman. She's described as someone who had lived a sinful life. Maybe uh, we might use the phrase, a woman of the streets. Uh, an, an immoral person. Not a, not a good person in the eyes of all those people and she comes in, the guests are there in the middle and she comes in with her jar of perfume in her hands and tears flowing from her eyes. She approaches the most important guest, Jesus, as they're lying down and their feet as it were all sticking out around and she wets his feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair and pours out her, the oil upon them just imagine how Simon would have felt with all this happening I'd imagine nobody would have known quite where to look the guests you know do we look at her, do we look at Simon the Pharisee what do we do, no one quite know where to look and I'd imagine that, that Simon would have felt somewhat embarrassed by what was happening and um, first of all embarrassment but then, then maybe confusion as well because of what happens. Have a look at verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, is this, If this man, speaking of Jesus, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. He'd been thinking, What's she doing here? Why is she weeping? Why did she approach Jesus? And surely, Why didn't Jesus push her away? If Jesus is who he claims to be, surely he would have known what she was like. And if he knew what she was like, surely he would have pushed her away. You're a sinner. I don't want anything to do with you. But he doesn't. And then, in that moment, Jesus tells the story. And here it is. The parable. And it's a peculiar little story in many ways. Two men. Both of them owing a large amount of money to the lender. Neither of them with the money or the ability to raise the money to pay back. And then what happens next is very unusual. All of us would appreciate if we're in debt to have the debt cancelled. And this money lender, he cancels the debt. And then Jesus asks this question, which of these, which of these two men will love him more? And he asks Simon the question. And Simon replies, look at what he says, verse 43. It seems a bit of a sheepish answer to me. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. Well, I suppose it's the bigger one. It's clearly the bigger one, the one who's had the bigger debt cancelled. And you see Jesus isn't teaching them about money and he's not teaching them about love but he's teaching them about forgiveness forgiveness And this story of these two men who were forgiven teaches us about teaches us something about the response to being forgiven I think that's fairly obvious to us when we see the one who's had the bigger debt cancelled is more loving and appreciates more what the one has done for him. But so it is with someone who has been forgiven much. It's the same. Verse 47 tells us, Therefore, this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisee, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. Her love was an evidence of her many sins Being forgiven. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. It's wonderful when we know that experience of being forgiven by God. The mess that we've made and all that we've done, forgiven by Him. Let's move on and see five lessons for us here today on forgiveness. And the first one is this the first one is that we all need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. It's obvious in this story, one owed 500, one owed 50. They both had a debt. They were both cancelled. It's obvious in the story, but what's not so obvious is the people around the story need forgiveness. You see, it's easy to look at this story and think, well, here was this clearly sinful woman whose life was a mess, who clearly needed forgiveness, but then there was the the Pharisee And, um, well, he's not like that. Does he need forgiveness? The Pharisee, Simon, and the woman illustrate different kinds of sins. The woman, for her, it was outward and obvious. But for the Pharisee, it was more inward and secret. Now, everyone could see the... Uh, the sin of this woman. But what they couldn't see was the sin of the Pharisee. It wasn't so obvious. But Jesus could. And he is the one who sees into people's hearts. And often, through the New Testament, through the Gospels, through the parables, we find Jesus exposing the heart of the Pharisees and what they are like. Often exposing hypocrisy and pride. The woman... Well, she sinned by what she had done. Everyone would have been aware of that. But this Pharisee, Simon, he sinned by what he hadn't done. Have a look at what it says in verse 44 to 46. Jesus speaking to Simon, it says, he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my, uh, on, on my she poured perfume on, I've lost it, sorry, but she poured perfume on my head, on my feet. She washed my feet with the tears. You didn't even bother to give me any water. She's been kissing my feet, you didn't even greet me with a kiss. She's poured perfume on my feet, you didn't even put oil on my head. Now don't make the mistake of thinking, well, uh, Jesus disapproved of the... Uh, uh, it's both ways, not just disapproving of the women's sin, but approving of the, the, thinking the Pharisees are all right. But also don't think that he was disapproving of the Pharisee and the hypocrisy and the pride, but the woman was all right because of what she did. Both were sinners. Both had a debt that needed cancelling. Both were lost. Both were in need of God's forgiveness. And that's the same for us here this morning. We all need forgiveness. Children, you need forgiveness. Young people. Middle-aged people, older people, whichever bracket you want to put yourself in, each one of us are in need of God's forgiveness this morning. This parable is not about the amount of forgiveness we need, it's about this sense of forgiveness. Both of these two men were bankrupt. And yet only one of them had a sense of their need of forgiveness. A bit like a Imagine a, a diseased tree, and a tree can be diseased in different ways. You can look at a tree, and you might see the leaves. We've got a, a, a shrub in the garden at home which was doing well, uh, but then suddenly all the leaves started to 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 fade on it and curl up, and there was something not right. And uh, a, a tree, and I can think of trees where the leaves go like that, and the twigs go like, and the disease is is obvious, as it were. But there's other times when a tree can be rotten from the inside and it's still diseased but you can't see it in the same way it's from the inside and works its way out we need forgiveness that extends beyond our outward failings and our outward sin to include the forgiveness of our very inner beings and whether we feel our guilt or our shame uh, this morning we are all in need of God's forgiveness. And the second lesson is this, that this forgiveness is a gracious gift of God. We all need forgiveness, but we cannot buy it. We cannot earn it. We are bankrupt. Salvation and forgiveness are a gift from God. They're not a reward for us. The scripture says, by grace we are saved, through faith. It is the gift of God not of works and Simon this pharisee he didn't get it he was a religious man and it was a religion of merit if i if i if i do everything right and if i do my best then everything will everything will be all right it was merit through good works and elsewhere we find a pharisee speaking uh, looking at another man and say well i'm not like that man i fast i give to the poor i i'm i'm better than I'm better than him. And Jesus exposes that that hypocrisy of the heart. And it's very easy for us today to think, well, we're in here and we're not like those people out there. And it's so easy to become like that and to see other people, maybe in other parts of town, and other people and and, and the mess is very outward, as it were, and very clear, and we think, Well, of course, we are not like those people. Very easy, even if we are trusting Christ for forgiveness of sins, it's still easy to think that we're better than others, that we know our Bibles better, that we love God more, that we uh, we understand deep doctrine more, that, that, that we believe and we behave better, as it were. It's very easy to become like that and to have that heart of the Pharisee, that spirit of the Pharisee, if I can call it that. Even as Christians, we need to search our hearts. We're in need of God's forgiveness. Now, may well be there's some here this morning and actually, you know, you're not a Christian. You're not trusting in Christ. But still you're thinking, well, I'm not like those people over there or out there and I'm better than them. Forgiveness is the gift of God that we all need. And Jesus, he says to this woman, your sins, verse 7, verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, the one who is God, is the one who can forgive sin. And as we look at this woman here in this passage, the fact that the, she loved Jesus, the fact that she came and do, uh, does what she did, is it's not the means by which she's forgiven, but it's the evidence that she has been forgiven. I think as we look at this woman, she may well have trusted in Christ before we get to this uh, event. Jesus has been teaching, there have been crowds around, and I do wonder if she had been in the crowd and heard what Jesus had been saying and understood that Jesus is the one who could forgive sins and put her trust in him. And then she comes and here she is and her love for Jesus is evidence that she has been forgiven. You see, we're not saved by love. Our love for God, our love for Jesus, or even God's love for us. Uh, We're not saved by love. God loves the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But that doesn't mean that everyone is saved, it doesn't mean that the world is saved. She's not saved by love. She's not saved by her tears. She's not saved by her gift of bringing this oil and pouring it on Jesus. But she is saved by her faith and by her trust in Christ. That's what Jesus said to her at the end, verse, four, verse 50. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Forgiveness is a gift of God. But then, thirdly, forgiveness comes at. A great price. Think about this parable, uh, children. Two people in debt. One owes 500, let's call it 500 pounds. One owes 50 pounds, and they're let off. So they're free from the debt. Who's paid? Who's paid? The moneylender. The moneylender has paid the price and the debt has been cancelled. And so it is with forgiveness. Forgiveness is not... uh, Forgiveness is, we could say it's free to us, but it's not cheap in that a price has been paid. There's no cost to us, but someone has paid. Someone has paid the price for our sin. It cost Jesus Everything. And when Jesus says to this woman, your sins are forgiven, he knew what that meant. The woman realised she was forgiven, but Jesus knew what that meant. As Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven, he would have known what he was going to do. He would have known the way by which her sins were forgiven. He would have known that it was because he was to go to the cross at the end of his life and lay down his life and give his life as a willing sacrifice on the cross where God punished him for sin. Jesus would have known that. He would have known the cost. A great price has been paid for our sin, for our wrongdoing, Jesus. God is the one who demands the payment as it were because we are the one that we are offended and God is the one who can forgive sins. This is what it says here. In this, uh, it doesn't say that here. Who is this that even forgives sins? Elsewhere it says that only God can forgive sins. And that's right. Because God is the one who we've offended. God is the one who can forgive. And this man Jesus is the one who is God. Who laid down his life for sinners such as us. So that we can be forgiven. Is that good news? It is. Forgiveness comes at a great price. But then fourthly, forgiveness comes to those who come to Jesus. We might have all sorts of ideas about forgiveness, how we can be forgiven. I was talking to someone I was travelling with yesterday, um, not a Christian, but we we were talking about this, and he just... Different ideas about forgiveness. But if we've never come to Jesus, if we've never trusted in him then we don't have God's forgiveness which is what we need we need that personal experience you see becoming a Christian it's a relationship with God it's not an affirmation to a, to a set of rules or truths but it's a relationship with Christ it's coming to him and this woman it seems knew that she came to Jesus she knew that she needed her sins to be taken away. And she came to Jesus and he is the only one who can take away sin. He's the only one who can do that. Simon, this Pharisee, is blind to it. He can't see it. He thinks he's all right. And his self-righteousness made him blind to the reality of his sin and the identity of this guest who is here with him. And our self-righteousness can do that for us. We think we're so good. And we've got things so right and so sorted it makes us blind to the reality of our sin. Forgiveness comes to those who come to Jesus. Have you come to him? Have you acknowledged your sin? Of just whatever it is. Uh, It may be like this immoral woman. It may be like the Pharisee just in your heart thinking everything's all right. Maybe with the twisting of the truth to tell a lie. Maybe with looking at things on the internet which shouldn't even be there in the first place. Whatever it is, whatever the sin, have you come to Jesus? He is the one who can forgive sin. And to me it seems that that first step towards him is the most difficult. As we come wondering if our our if our catalogue of sins will repel us from this saviour of the world. But Jesus says, come, come, and I will give you rest. Jesus never rejects anyone who comes honestly grieving over their sin. Those who hope that Jesus will be merciful to them find that he is. They'll find grace and mercy and forgiveness and love in abundance. If you come to Jesus, forgiveness comes to those who come to him. And then finally, and just briefly, forgiveness leads to a changed life. Look at what happens for this woman. First of all, a new love. A new love in life. Jesus. Mattering so much more than anything else. Jesus, the one who makes it possible. And this woman, she comes to Jesus. A new love for him because he is the one who forgives. Do you have that love for Jesus? A new freedom. Freedom from guilt. Freedom for guilt. Jesus says to this woman, your sins are forgiven. And that burden, like that big rucksack on the back of uh, Pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress, as it were, falls off. That burden of sin and guilt and the past falls off when we come to Jesus, when we trust him, because he has taken the punishment. A new freedom from guilt. And then finally, a new peace. Peace with God. Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. It's a wonderful thing to know, not just God's forgiveness, but God's peace. Peace, a peace which passes all understanding. A peace which endures with us. A peace which changes everything. A peace which the world cannot offer. It's one of the wonderful things of knowing that we're forgiven. Peace with God. Do you have that peace? It's found in Jesus when we come to him.